Shalom and welcome to another episode of Mamish, the oi and joy of family. I'm your host, Lori Fine, here with my amazing guests to bring you laughs, stories, and a little walk away wisdom for fellow travelers on this wild parenting ride where our community and our traditions are our greatest guide. I am super excited to be here today with two incredible women, parents and leaders in the Jewish community. This is sure to be an especially enlightening and extremely enjoyable conversation. This one's gonna be a little bit different than our usual conversations. Typically, we focus on one family at a time and we dig very deeply into their personal stories, which inevitably touches on larger issues in our culture and in the Jewish world. But this week, we are really privileged to host two moms who are actively engaged in shaping that world. And I'm so excited to hear how their work and their visions impact hundreds of thousands of families in the Jewish community. Our first guest is Julie Platt, the proud mother of three sons and two daughters, some of whom are household names, but I'll leave her to discuss that if she wishes. Julie often speaks about her amazing family in her role as the chair of the Board of Trustees of the Jewish Federations of North America, also known as JFNA. JFNA is the umbrella organization for 146 Jewish federations representing 350 Jewish communities across the US and Canada. Now, for those who are not as familiar, federation, I don't know if you if I even have any listeners who aren't this familiar, but federations really are the backbone of the organized Jewish community in North America. They raise and distribute more than a billion dollars annually to build flourishing Jewish communities domestically in Israel and around the world. They have done tremendous work, for example, with the Jewish community in Ukraine and the displacement that has been happening. Uh, but that's just one of many, many examples. Julie is also the immediate past chair of the board of directors of the Jewish Federation of Greater Los Angeles and also the immediate past chair of the Foundation for Jewish Camp. She is a graduate of Penn, the University of Pennsylvania, and like myself, a Camp Ramah alum and parent. Ramah was just such a critical part of my own Jewish upbringing, so shout out. Our second guest is Audra Berg, who is the president and CEO of the Jewish Federation of Broward County, where her work brings her into contact with thousands of Jewish families in one of the fastest growing Jewish communities in the country. Audra previously served as vice president of leadership engagement and board relations at the Jewish United Fund Jewish Federation of Metropolitan Chicago. And she is the immediate past chair of JPRO, the professional association for those who work in Jewish organizations. And now at the suggestion of my own amazing mom and some other listeners, I just want to say a couple of words on my own background. I grew up in a Camper Ma family in South Jersey, a conservative shul, and my parents, my mom especially, was extremely involved in the Jewish community through Federation, through APAC, through other political organizations that she founded herself and work with. And she's such a role model for me. And I went ended up in college at Harvard writing my senior thesis about Jewish federations and women 
in particular, becoming more involved in federations or how that had evolved through the course of federations history up until that point in the 1990s. I'm really excited to talk to you guys today about the continuing evolution of women as leaders in the federation world and also how that impacted your own families and your children and how you hope for it to impact not only your own children, but the rest of everyone else's children in the Jewish community. So after that kind of long introduction, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Happy to be here. So Julie, I wanted to start by asking you to retell a beautiful anecdote that I found on YouTube when you were speaking to the National Council of Young Leadership and you were speaking personally about how much time you were spending in all of your Jewish commitments in the for the community and the conflict that you felt with you know leaving the house with your children I'm not sure how old they were at that time and your daughter said something that was really impactful to you do you mind retelling that story of course not and I know exactly what story you're talking about at the time I was um leading something called LA couples which was a group for young couples in the Los Angeles area and the campaign chair in LA and was called to many, many meetings. And it was starting to wear on me and my guilt. And I felt I had been out one too many nights that week. And I left at the time, I believe my daughter was 16. My children span 15 years. So I think the youngest was maybe one and she was 16. And I think she saw the conflict on my face and remarked to me, that I should take care of the Jews out there and she would take care of the Jews in here. And oh, it awesome. was very helpful to me in being able to walk out the door. I've always balanced that with my belief that my children needed to see me walk the walk and not just talk the talk mm -hmm. and to see me make the decision that it was important for me to show up for my community I think has led thankfully to all of their engagement Jewishly. And I'm very glad for the decisions I made, despite the fact that I often got in the car in tears. That is a powerful story of, I mean, it's so tremendous that your children could see your values in action and that they relayed that into their own lives. How, how do you see your children bringing that lesson into their lives today? Each in their own way. My oldest children are part of an a part of JFNA that you referenced. They're both members of the National Young Leadership Cabinet. And my oldest daughter is on the board of directors, newly elected to Prisma, which looks out for day schools. She's day school educated and her children are in Jewish day school. My son Jonah has become a very outwardly facing social media influencer on behalf of the Jewish people in Israel and speaks all the time, all over the country about how he sees his ability to be a Zionist and a liberal at the same time and a member of the entertainment community. My daughter, Hannah, is on the board of Camp Ramah and has, has engaged in something that was incredibly meaningful to her as a camper and then as a professional, which she was at Camp Ramah till she became a therapist for teens and adolescents. And her husband is on 
the youngest member of the National Board of Birthright. So deeply engaged in Birthright and Birthright XL. Benjamin's picked a different way to express his Judaism and one that couldn't be more important to me, particularly in the role he's playing right now on Broadway as Leo Frank. I'm happy to talk more about that if you want me to, but he speaks in every interview all the time about his identification as a Jew. And my youngest is on the board of JQ, which is the intersection of LGBTQ life and Jewish life, an organization seated here in Los Angeles, very involved in that space and also in the mental health space, having suffered from that pretty greatly during college. So each of them have found their own journey in the Jewish world. All of them would say, Laura, and I know you can relate to this, that it is a, a product of being brought up in the home they were, but very much a product of Camp Ramah and the immersive experience of a Jewish summer camp. So I have been a loud advocate of immersive Jewish experiences. Right. And that's something that federations are very supportive of. Is that not? Oh my goodness. Yes, very much so. Whether it be the Jewish camp experience or educational travel to Israel, we couldn't be more deeply engaged in the benefit of immersive Jewish experiences. That's awesome. I I could not agree more. I mean, I feel like for myself, for my own life, and certainly for my five daughters, you know, sometimes a weekend makes more impact on them. And they're all, my kids are all in Jewish day schools. We, ha- we celebrate Shabbat in the home. We're kosher. We do a lot. But I think that sometimes they'll go, I mean, my kids happen to sing with the organization Hazamir, which I believe gets federation funding as well. And, you know, they go on that one retreat for three days and they come back a different person. So thank God that you guys are working on that. And I guess that's a key part of the vision of Federation for supporting Jewish families and the Jewish continuity. Absolutely. We all very much, and I'm sure Audrey can speak to this too. There is no secret that an immersive Jewish experience has transformative effect. It certainly did on me personally. I truly think all I am as a Jew got rooted, of course, at my parents' Shabbat table and in, in a kosher home and you know, growing up in a small town where you can't do anything but step up, but very much through Jewish summer camp. So Audra, can I ask you, have you, have you any anecdotes to tell about what you're doing in Florida <laughs> or even in your own family that would emphasize that? Sure. So first of all, let me just say that, you know, I've I've been in this job for just over a year. You know, my entire family uprooted their lives in Chicago and came here to allow me to take on this professional opportunity. So if that doesn't speak to, you know, the kinds of support that I'm getting from the men in my life, I have two sons, a husband, even my dog is a boy. It has always been incredibly important to me, especially as the mother of sons, to be a role model for responsible parenting, co-parenting, and to be out there in a way in my professional life where I was making an impact. And so them sort of, my kids internalizing that and what our family looks like, and that it's not a given that mom is taking them to the doctor versus dad, um, I think was real a really important story for me in raising my children about what their responsibilities would ultimately be as they continue to grow up and have their own families. So my kids are still young. My oldest is starting his senior year in high school. My youngest is going to be a freshman. But we, you know, my whole 
my my kids' whole life has been in Chicago. And I we didn't think we would leave. And I had a, I've had a wonderful career. I've worked almost exclusively in the Federation system, both for the predecessor organization to JFNA, UJC, and the Chicago Federation, which has really been my whole career. Um, and then I had this opportunity to take this responsibility on. And honestly, it had not been on my radar. I never had a deep desire to be a CEO. I was always ambitious. I always wanted to lead. And I found other ways to do that because I was in an extremely large federation with 400 employees and being a CEO was not on my radar. I worked for the same CEO my entire career, Steve Masseter. And um, I, 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 this was really not something that I was looking to do. But when the opportunity presented itself, my family said, we're in. And here we are in Florida <laughs> a right. year later. Well, Mazel Tov, congratulations. And I'm sure Florida is very lucky to have you there. Thank you. We're having fun. Terrific. Well, so, you know, I, I do, I'm wanted to ask both of you, you know, what you see as part of your vision for the American Jewish community, because there's a lot of conversation about, I mean, there's been conversations about assimilation since, you know, the 19th century of in America. It's nothing new. But at the same time, you know, you see very much a vibrancy of Jewish life. I think, Julie, what you spoke about with your sons is something that's so powerful because I mean, all of your children, but in terms of the entertainment community and speaking out and having the opportunity to be public in ways that you haven't always seen Jews come out and talk openly and supportive of Israel. And I think that that's something that's really special. And you see a great vibrancy in the Jewish community. And at the same time, we see a rise in anti-Semitism. And a lot of people are, I know, Julie, you've, you've done several initiatives with Federation in terms of security and safety. And every parent is, you know, is concerned for the safety and welfare of their kids. So, you know, I think we have both sides in our culture right now. We have incredible opportunities for growth, but we also have assimilation and and we have these negatives. And I'm just curious, Julie, maybe you could start talking about the grand vision for JFNA on how they how you approach thinking about the future of the Jewish family in America. So that's a big question to respond to, Laura, but this is what I will say. And, you know, my, my family often calls me Pollyanna, and I don't think I am. I have the opportunity to travel all over the country on behalf of JFNA and visit communities large and small. And I'll push back pretty strong about the engagement of the younger generation. I see a really strong and vibrant young Jewish community. I mean, I'll give you a few examples and then I can tell you some of the things we're doing, but there's a monumental wait list for birthright. That LA couples I just mentioned to you has a wait list here in Los Angeles. Honeymoon Israel has a wait list for people to do it. We have two marvelous young leadership programs in LA. We can't choose everybody who wants to be in them. I just don't see it quite the same way. I'm not naive. I know that we have challenges in engaging the younger generation, particularly around Israel. And so we are quite vocal as Zionists and as ways to communicate to the younger generation about what's happening in Israel, particularly in this moment. But I think social media has amplified everything. 
in a way that makes one feel things that I don't think are representative of reality and our younger generation. I just don't. Fabulous. <laughs> I think affordability is an issue that may stand in the way of the top engagement the way we would like in terms of Jewish camping and day schools. And we're working on it all the time and trips to Israel, but then something like Route One springs into being that makes it possible for kids to get some money off to get on those trips to Israel. I I just feel a little bit more positive about the younger generation. And, and I'll give you a really concrete example. During COVID, JFNA launched something called Change Makers. We had this feeling that the young 20s, the sort of 20 to 25 were caught completely off guard, were either finishing college or just brand new into new communities and sort of cut off at the knees. And we wanted to figure out something to address the beginning of where they would find a place in a Jewish community. So Eric Fingerhut led this great idea to begin this initiative that would provide online cohorts to allow leadership development. Young 20s identified by their communities as somebody that we would want to not lose in the COVID shuffle. And, you know, we had small dreams of what that could be. Now, 3,000 people later of these young leaders have been identified by their communities. We thought it would end at the end of COVID. It's not ended at all. They now have networks and friends all over the country whose communities have identified them as young leaders. So I'm way more optimistic than sort of the vernacular would tell you. Well, I'm a very optimistic person as well. So if I in any way came across as saying that I wasn't I hope that wasn't the case, that I'm certainly- No, not at all, very, I'm just glad you identified. That's really interesting to me, because I have to say, I'm, I'm on the board of the Hillel at Harvard University, and that is exactly an issue that we've identified as well, that you know, recent grads, it's a little bit harder to find their way within the Jewish community, because between being part of your home, you know, your family of origin and starting your new family on your own, hopefully, there's a little bit of a gap in terms of how to fit in. And I, I guess that says something about how families are the way we fit in, for many people at least, within the Jewish community. So I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about how you put your values into action, not only in your Jewish involvement, but also how you bring the Jewish involvement into the home and how that, you know, a little more about your home life, how your kids interact with each other, how Judaism has an impact on how you run your day-to-day -day life in your family and what you would have to say about that and what advice you might have to people who are starting off with their families now who are just having kids about what you think is really critical and can help their families grow as a family and also within the Jewish community. So I'll, I'll start. So for me, first of all, I feel very similarly about camping as both of your experiences that you shared earlier. My children go to Blue Star in Hendersonville, North Carolina. It has been probably the defining experience, not only of my children's childhood, but of our families last 10 years. My older son is a CIT this year. It has really been rem a remarkable experience as a family to have this Jewish 
Jewish, special Jewish place in our life. And I think it's impacted a lot of other decisions we made because so many children from South Florida actually go to Blue Star. It's really what enabled us to be able to make this move and for my children to feel like they have that community here as well as the community they came from in Chicago. I, I honestly didn't, I, I didn't set out thinking about how I was going to engage my family in Jewish life. It was just always a given. From, from the day I started working, I've been working in the Jewish community. I grew up in a very vibrant reformed Jewish community, reform camp, youth group, was in a Jewish sorority. And so community has actually always been the defining value for me and thinking about my family, joining a synagogue, going to a Jewish camp, sort of creating those friends in the community that would define who we were and our and our and what our family life looked like. And so it it just, I don't know that I necessarily set out to make it Jewish, but those were my, those were my people. And so our, our family life has been very uh, Jewishly defined. And been, what's been interesting in the move from Chicago to Florida and Chicago, my kids went to public school and now they go to a Jewish day school here in South Florida. And so that's been an enormous shift for our family. It's been a little bit more complicated for my older son who went to a big urban, diverse high school in downtown Chicago, and my younger son, who has really embraced it and found a great group of friends overnight and is having an amazing experience. It has been a remarkable journey to have the Jewish community in our family's life, and I think it has added even more than I would have imagined when we started out. That's so, awesome. Laura, I'm going to give you a, a concrete example, and then maybe a little bit of a different perspective because my kids are older. I sort of have a, a few more years on the child rearing situation. I think my view of what living a Jewish life will be for my children very much now has to encompass the significant others that have joined our lives. And I am right. incredibly blessed by my son-in-laws and daughters-in-law but I, you, I don't necessarily have the control I once had on maybe how my Jewish home was going to be. It needs to expand to be how they see their Jewish homes and, and understand that each one of them comes from a different place. And so I'm trying to be very expansive in my definition of what a Jewish home looks like. My kids grew up in a kosher home. I, I hope they'll all have kosher homes. I've taken that off of my must be to wanting them to have a Jewish family life full of, full of traditions and, and raising families in the joy of being Jewish as Rabbi Eddie Feinstein calls it joyful Judaism. That's what I want. I want them to know what joyful Judaism looks like, but I will tell you, we've sort of not named it as philanthropy, but I very much have set a very strong standard for them in terms of philanthropy. And, and I will give you a very concrete way that I've done that because I want my children to give as they live. And I talked a lot to them about that. When my youngest was 13, so now it's probably 11 years ago, we set up a family foundation and the amount doesn't really matter. It, it was not so significant but each of them was given a fifth of what we were to give away from this family foundation each year. 
And they each had the responsibility to do the research and then to make the proposal to the other four siblings. Now includes their spouses or fiance in one case. And they had to convince the other four of the merits of that grant. And it had to be a unanimous decision to make that grant. Oh, so you so give my one children unanimous have... grant a year? No, five. Five uh, grants. Uh, uh, okay. One of them could propose, but all five have to agree. Got it. And, wow, uh, beautiful. It, and it's taught them a whole lot mm-hmm. about philanthropy and about how to investigate and research and make proposals and make approvals. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thrilled that we do it. And it's gone on. You're, my husband and I don't have a vote. It's the five of them. And so I'm really awesome. grateful that we started that. And I would encourage anybody listening to this to do it. It doesn't matter if it's $100 or $10,000. It's the exercise. That's fantastic. You know, it's so funny because I had my children were in nursery school and the teacher used to collect the tzedakah every week. And, you know, every kid would bring in a dollar or a couple cents. And then the whole class would vote on where to give the money and what cause. Now, of course, when they were three, the teacher had a little bit more to do with it, but we kept that going for a long time in our family of giving, you know, the kids giving little stuck every week and coming up with where they wanted it to go. And I think it's such a great exercise in defining your family's values, right? It's both what you're doing for the community at large, but it's also what it does for you in helping you understand what it is that you value most and where you want your resources to be directed. And frankly, making the decision didn't all have to go Jewish, which mm-hmm. is which was a topic for this group. And it, in a in a number of cases, we've said no to them. I have a daughter-in-law who has MS, and one of the grants they wanted to go was to MS research, and of course it should. So that was a conversation that we needed to have, and we did. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, Audra. What do you, how do you? transmit your values in terms of philanthropy to your family? So, you know, since my kids were small, we've included them in the conversation about the choices that we've made to be involved in the community. Outside of my work, I have also had a very vibrant volunteer life. So being involved with, I was involved with the Chicago Park District, actually, which was a fascinating experience, serving on my synagogue board, being very involved with JPRO, our professional association, and ultimately chairing it. And so my kids were always seeing my husband and his eye modeling leadership in terms of our involvement. And similar to Julie, you know, with the nights out of the office and the meetings and the calls. And I really never minimized the amount of time that took. And I really allowed my kids to participate in it with me. So for example, I... I brought, I've brought my children to the last two JPRO conferences so that they could see what is mob doing up there and so that they could be a part of that experience and not just see it, you know, from me talking about it, but actually having the opportunity to go and be part of those things that were important to me. My children are now donors to two federations, the Chicago Federation and the Broward County Federation. They decide on their own how much they want to give. They pay it themselves. And so I hope that my husband and I are modeling for them based on our philanthropic involvement 
and our giving what's important to us. Certainly talking about community and our responsibility to our friends and family and how we treat people is something that's really important to us and treating friends with respect. And I am fortunate that I have really nice kids and it's hard to be a teenager these days. And there's a lot of complications with social media and friendships. And I, I think that my boys are making choices that reflect our family's values. And I'm seeing that play out every day. And it's really nice. That's so awesome. Awesome. So one of the things that I, I hope that our listeners, you know, certainly can't escape the, the, what you've talked about in terms of camp and travel and immersive experiences as ways to raise their kids. I'd love to hear about you know, what is a Jewish ritual that you celebrate that you think brings your family together, that your kids especially enjoy, something that you do at home? I think Shabbat is the greatest creation of the Jewish people. I, I, the Shabbat table is my favorite, everybody's favorite. I don't get them as often as I once did before they have children who go to bed early. So we're trying to figure that out. But Honestly, I just spend the whole week waiting to get to Friday. I mean, it's that is literally my favorite thing. It was as a child for me. I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, and there were no Jews in my graduating class. I was one of seven, 671, and I was the only one. So all the activities took place on Friday night, the the basketball games, the football games, the course performances. And my parents let me go because you can't live in Wichita, Kansas and not let your children participate. But darned if we weren't at the Shabbat table, adjusted timing so that my sister who was a cheerleader and me who sang could get to our performances. But we were at that Shabbat table and it was so significant to my upbringing and it is equally important to my kids. Beautiful, beautiful. I would say for us, it's really about food. And every season has, you know, sort of the Jewish food that we're attached to that cements our connection to each other. And whether that's with, you know, my children's grandparents or their aunts and uncles, you know, like everybody has a food thing that they bring to it. So, you know, my mother-in-law's brisket or my mother's kugel or my grandmother's mandel bread. And those things have, each one of them has a story around it. And while of course there's non-Jewish food that people are attached to, you know, my mother's famous for a Caesar salad, but there's, <laughs> but it's really the Jewish food that sort of carries. And I am not someone who has ever spent a lot of time thinking about um, preparing food. I, I don't enjoy cooking. I make dinner as like a thing because we have to eat, but it's not something I look forward to. But during COVID, I had always wanted to learn how to make challah. And so literally like on March 20th, I ordered a KitchenAid mixer, which was a blessing. <laughs> and, but I have to tell you, I was terrible at it. I, I was a tyrant. I was obsessed with the making the perfect challah and I never got it right. And finally, my kids were like, it brings us more joy to buy the challah <laughs> together. <laughs> and uh, so I gave up on that, but we still, we, we still really connect around the food 
of the food of our of our parents, of our grandparents, of our great grandparents, and and that's what I would say really is our is our binding Jewish connection. Um, I love that. I absolutely love that story. I think, you know, we talk a little about having like some walk away wisdom and sometimes the wisdom is when to walk away from. (laughs) By the challah. (laughs) Yes. But I do. I did also, I will say I learned how to make brisket during COVID. Another thing I had always wanted to do and I have perfected it and I love making it and it's great. So I think it's a good lesson to focus in on the thing you're good at and walk away from the thing you're not. Audra, send me that recipe when we get off of this podcast, please. Yes, same. I will. It's very, it's very simple and it requires you to be home for five hours, which is also just delightful. Fabulous. <laughs> I want to hear it too. I'll put it in the podcast okay. notes if you send it to me in time. That would be great. I will send it. Perfect. You know, that it's funny because I have to say, you know, food is a huge part of our family life. And I do happen to like to cook. Not that I'm good at everything, but I do. I enjoy it. And most of it comes out okay. But uh, Mm -hmm. when you talk about Jewish food, you know, you're talking about kugel and brisket. And that is obviously a big part of as an Ashkenazi Jew, our, our identity, our food identity. But I have found that for my kids, having spent a lot of time in Israel, and we're in northern New Jersey, and so in our community, there's a lot of Israelis. I I think that their identity about what constitutes Jewish food mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. every bit as much about Israeli food, and you know, like a interesting salad even will be in their mm-hmm. mind Jewish. It's funny that mm-hmm. way how the identity keeps evolving. You know, hummus to sure. them is like the ultimate it, Jewish right. Jewish food, right? The ultimate <laughs> Jewish food. I'm with them on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should all learn how to make pita. That would be. <laughs> Supposedly it's easier than challah, but I haven't ever tried. My Wait, food. Julie and I were just together in Israel. And at the last day of the GA, we went to this, what was it, Julie? Like a Jewish um, outdoor museum experience. Yeah, exactly. It was <laughs> wonderful. And we made and- yeah. We made pita and we made wine and we made ancient coins and olive oil. And there we were sort of reliving ancient biblical cooking. <laughs> wow, that's okay, so cool. So say, Audra, I think we more watched than we <laughs> Yeah, yes, yeah. okay. I, I was exaggerating. I did make the coin. Oh. it's good you know because jews are uh you know as long as we're controlling the banking we may as well make the money (laughs) right exactly (laughs) all right um well this is so it's just so delightful to have you guys here to talk about our fam about being part of this larger jewish family and i want to just personally thank you for all that you do for the larger Jewish community. I think that the work of Federation and of JFNA representing the larger world, it's just incredible how much work. And I think a lot of people probably don't even realize how integrated the work of Federation is into their family lives already without necessarily even knowing it. I mean, for one thing, I know that many Federations support PJ Library and the books. I mean, for anybody who is listening, who does not know about PJ Library, go Google it right now because it's such an incredible program bringing Jewish 
children's book content into the home for parents to share with their kids as again as a springboard for conversations as a way of learning Jewish history and Jewish values it's such a wonderful program and I know many federations does Broward participate with the PJ program we do yes and in fact I met with my PJ coordinator yesterday which was a coincidence and she told me we're adding 60 new families a month to our PJ a month to our PJ yeah so I mean Broward has 180,000 Jews. We're we're one of the largest Jewish communities in the country. And I feel like people don't, people don't necessarily know where Broward is. It's Fort Lauderdale for everybody listening. I get a lot of questions about that. But we're we're a very large county with a vibrant Jewish community. And we do have an extraordinary PJ program. We have PJ Connectors, which is sort of an extension of the program. It's very common in Jewish communities across the country. The PJ Connectors are representative of our family engagement work. And their job is to find people out in the community who are looking to engage in Jewish life and then be connected not only through the books, but also to our family engagement work. That's so important and so beautiful. I love that part of that program because I have several friends who are coordinators or who work for that. And mm-hmm. they just come up with the most amazing events for families to attend, to get to know other families mm-hmm. with children the same age. It's really, it's mm-hmm. mamish something amazing. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things to note about that is that it's really about meeting people where they are, right? Because some, not everyone is going to be comfortable going to an early childhood program at a synagogue. So it's about doing things at the library or at the park or at the grocery store before Passover. And I think that's one of the things, you know, that's going to continue to make us relevant, you know, to as we evolve. And it's about us really needing to embrace where people are at and making it easy for them to engage in Jewish life and not hard. Awesome. Awesome. So I would be remiss if we did not touch a little bit on Julie's incredible job as a mom, as expressed from her children who are clearly following their passions into their adult life and have met with so much success in in their various realms. And I'm wondering, Julie, if you were thinking back as far as you know, what you did as a mother that you think allowed your kids to to flourish in their own ways, the way you did. Is there anything that comes to mind? Is there a story about one of your kids that 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 springs up? Or is there something that you felt was like a guiding light in terms of how you dealt with your children and got them to be so close with each other? I mean, just that story you told about how they can come up with a unanimous agreement on something. I think a lot of people would be happy if their kids had unanimity on what's for dinner and that they can look at the larger community and come up with a unanimous consensus on a value and on a direction for that is really incredible. So I'm wondering, how did you knit such a tight family and how did you inspire your kids to just follow their passions that way? So there are two, I would say there are two different things. I would say in terms of my children getting along and relying on each other, there is no question they know how much it means to me personally. And I've been unequivocal about it. They don't have to be best friends, though many of the combinations are. What matters most to me is that they be good, supportive family and show up for one another. 
and they show up in the easiest times and in the most difficult times. I referenced this mental health challenge of my youngest son. There was a rotation of my children and my husband and I, where he was in university in Philadelphia and everybody showed up uh, as needed very frequently to support him from that to an opening night. So, you know, in the, in the good and the bad. And they know that and they show up for one another. The, the passion part, they've grown up in an entertainment home. So it's not so far-fetched. You know, some people grow up in, that's our family business in some kind of a crazy way because it's what my husband does. But it is not an easy business. There's nothing about it that's easy. And my older son, Jonah, will say, you have to pursue it until you can't pursue it, until until the difficulty and the and the rejections and the and the really tough pulls it puts on a family life become too much for you. And it has not reached that for any of the, it's really my three sons who are the most engaged in the entertainment world. And it's, it, it's undeniable for them. And until it's not undeniable, you support them. And even though Ben may seem to have had a, a career that's not fraught by that, it is fraught. It's silly not to think it is. It is. It's auditions and rejections and auditions and rejections and auditions and rejections. And you have to have the stamina for it. What they know is a great blessing for them is the fact that what they're the most passionate about is what they're the best at. And that's that's lucky because that isn't always the case that what you love to do the most is something for which you have an affinity. And I remind them of that all the time. The fact that they love to sing and they can (laughs) is a blessing of mammoth proportions. So um, I don't think it's easy. I I think it is a really difficult road, but at the moment it's undeniable for all of them. Wow, I love love the way you express that. That, you know, that they, what they're great, that you see your kids as doing what they are best at and that it comes from within. It's beautiful. And the support that you guys give each other, I'm sure had a lot to do with everyone's success. I mean, my my children are very, very slightly involved in theater and they all sing. They've all been in, you know, performances and choirs and my oldest directed a bunch of shows in college. And even at that level, it's hard. I'm sure that they gain a lot from knowing that their mom is behind them, their family is behind them and showing or up for it's them not just at every level. At high school, that's where you cut your teeth on rejection. I mean, that's really where it starts. Those high school productions that mean everything. Right. And you're down to the last one and you end <laughs> up being you know, city person number four. I mean, it's right. just, it's ah. <laughs> <laughs> my youngest who is not as into it but she always wanted to be in the show but she didn't really care she was so funny she's like mom you know last year three years ago i was a leaf and then i got to be a whole tree and now i get to be grass i'm more than one it's like amazing i'm rising in the world but she did actually get a speaking role three four lines it was it was really I, I was quelling. I was quelling. Major quelling. The win. <laughs> win. Exactly. Well, thank you so, so much. This was just a true pleasure. I am so excited to shine a light on the way you guys raise your families, the incredible work you're doing for the Jewish community at large, 
And I hope our listeners enjoyed this. If there's anything that you want to add, I'd be happy to have it. There's momish, nothing like hearing about these incredible Jewish families and the incredible women of Federation who are continuing the blessing of the Jewish people in this world. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. No, I would only add that I love that you're lifting up women. And, and I think Audra and I are both delighted to be part of that particular conversation. And I would just add that I see another one of my responsibilities in my work is lifting up the women who work for me and who work in the Federation community. And that's just as important to me as lifting up my family. And it has been a tremendous privilege to work in the Federation system and to and to lead JPRO and to be able to support up women doing this work because it's incredibly hard. And I think Julie and I are both truly blessed to have the privilege to work with so many amazing women. And it really is, it has been something I'm immensely proud of and, and just get so much pleasure from. That is so awesome. I'm so, it's so great to hear about when you have women leaders who are also trying to mentor and to bring people up. That is definitely the point of this podcast is to elevate individual women who are doing their best and working out all of the issues as we go because it's an ongoing process but there are so many people who are just doing such incredible beautiful things in the world to elevate the jewish people and the jewish family whether volunteering whether in their professional lives and there's momish nothing like it the momish listening family thank you so much for joining us once again and i want to just encourage you that if you've liked this episode, please share it with a member of your own family, whether that's your mom, your sister, your aunt, or one of your close friends, our chosen family. It would really help us spread the message of love of family life, love of Jewish life, if you could like, share, and review this episode and other episodes of Mamish. Really appreciate it. If you have a comment or any suggestions, we'd really love to hear it. The best way to get in touch is to email at lunchbox at momish.com. Put a note in our lunchbox and we will read it and respond. Look forward to hearing from you. If you have a large family and you'd like to be a guest on Momish, please do reach out. It's always a pleasure to meet new people. Take care. Bye-bye.